0: How many know that you are blessed? How many here are blessed people? Huh? You are a blessed people. You know God told the children of Israel, which is you, because you are grafted in. You are Abraham's seed. That you will, be, if you do what He tells you to do, you will be blessed in the city. Come on, blessed in the field. Blessed when you come in. Blessed when you go out. Guess what? Blessed when you're up. Blessed when you're down. Come on, somebody. You're gonna be blessed when people talking about you. Alright? You're gonna be blessed when people leave you, when they forsake you, because God will never leave you or forsake you. Oh, His blessing is upon you. His blessing is upon you. Listen. You know, I was thinking about something. I was thinking that, uh, you know, there's a phrase that we often use when we don't have everything we need or when maybe we forget something or when we, we come together and, and things don't go the way that we thought they would go. You know, we say, you know, it's going to be all right. And I believe that. I believe that at the end of the day, all things being equal, God is in it, it's going to be all right. It is. Here's though what I want to tell you. Here's what God has laid upon my heart to share, is that it will be all right. No doubt about it. It'll be all right. I forgot to think. It's okay. It'll be all right. Well, we didn't get to where we wanted. That's okay. It'll be all right. But you must understand that God is calling us to a place that's more than all right. All right. He's calling It's going to be. Don't you know what people say to me? It's going. To, I know it's going to be all right. That's not the question. It's not the point. You know, if God, God is here, it's going to be all right. He's still on the throne. He's still the master. He created your enemy, so I ain't worried about the enemy. All right, the earth is his footstool. I'm not worried about any. I'm not worried that it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But you must understand that God is calling us to a place of excellence. He's calling us to the very best place that we can be. He's, call, he's putting the blessing upon us. You must understand that even right now as we are here and we talk amongst each other, that the blessing is chasing you down. The blessing is going to overtake you. And there's nothing you can do about it. This is a word from the Lord. I didn't come up with this. But God wants you to know that the blessing is after you this morning. And it's going to overtake you. He's going to grab you and he's going to pull you up. Listen, we are in a series. We just started a series fresh called Engaging Deep Waters. And this is what we're talking about. You know, it's time for us to go past the shallow. It's come up around our ankles and we say, Oh, the water's a little cold, but I'm okay right here. And we walked in a little deeper and it's around our knees, and we say, well, I'm all right, I'm still good, water's around my knees. Now then, all of a sudden, we walked out a little further, and it's waist deep. You ever been waist deep in something? You know, you can't really hardly move around that much, but you're still okay. And then it gets up around your neck, and you may get a little worried. You know, it's up around my neck, and I, you know, I, listen, I, I'm a little worried here. I hope a big wave doesn't come. Well, listen, God is calling us to a place where we jump all the way in. The water is all around us. Come on, somebody. You look up, there's water, the water of the Lord. Look to the left, look to the right, look below you, and it's over your head. And guess what? You're out of control with it. God is in control. Now, he's moving you to and fro. This way, you can't get in your own way and make some mistakes and get your own self off the path. I know because I've done it. God's been taking me one way and I started using my little carnal mind and put myself in the way and said I should do this and do that and got myself off the path. But God wants us to jump into a place where it's over our head. Nothing we can do. Not the four foot, not the six foot. He wants us to jump on into the 12 foot. Come on, it's over your head. Nothing else you can do. Engaging deep water. Last week we talked about, not last week, last time we got together, we talked about going deep. What it meant to just go deep. We're going to go out past the reef. We're going to go out past the safe place. We're going to go way on out. Going deep. This week I want to talk about something called engaging deep devotion. There are several things we need to do in order to get to that deep place. We need to be devoted. We need to engage deep worship. We need to engage a deep prayer life. And we need to engage deep relationships. This is the only way we'll get to that deep place. God is calling us, saints, to a deeper place. He's calling us to a place of more than all right. Yes, it's all right. But who wants to live your life just all right? Who wants to live your life the status quo, getting up doing the same thing every day? All of a sudden, one day you look back on your life and you haven't done anything. You, you can't remember how you spent your money. You can't remember any vacations that you went on. You can't remember any good things about your relationship. Come on, who wants to live a life like that? I want to look at the end of the day before I go to meet the Lord and say, Boy, what a ride. What a ride I had. Yeah, there were some ups. Yeah, there were some downs. But boy, what a ride it was. Maybe some days it was a roller coaster ride, but it was a ride. Look, I tried everything. There are some things I failed, but at least I tried it. Come on, there are some things I never thought I would be able to do. God pushed me out there, and guess what? It was successful because of Him, not because of me. What a ride. That's what I want to do when I get to the end of my life here on earth. What a ride. And we, in order to do that, we need to engage some deep water. You're not going to get a ride when you're standing in the, in the waters around your ankles. not going to take you anywhere. You're not riding anywhere. Listen, well, and if that's you today, if you're a little scared, if you just want to be safe, if you just want to go for the mutual funds, come on, you don't want to play the stocks, you just want to—you just want to delve in the mutual funds. That's all right. That's where you are. Don't mean you're not going to heaven. That's fine. That doesn't mean that uh, you know you're not saved and God doesn't love you. That's all right. But while the rest of us are out there wading in the deep with the love of God all around. All around, all around, I look and I see your love all around where we're going through it and God is blessing us and beyond what he's blessing our socks off, beyond what we could ever think or imagine, you standing on the shore saying, those people look like they're having a good time. That's all right. We'll be out there having a good time, living our life, the abundant life, above and beyond what you could ask or think. That's what God wants for you. Come on, the blessing is coming. And you might not be excited about that. But you will. You will because it's coming. It's coming. And listen, if you're on the shore, you won't get caught up in the wave. But if you're out there with your surfboard, when that move of the spirit comes, you're going to get caught up in it. You're not going to know what's happening. Lord, what in the world is going on? That's right where he wants you. That's right where he wants you. We need to engage some deep water, folks. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at Jesus as he was talking to Peter here. The Bible says, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, So it was as the multitude pressed about him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, And saw two boats, two boats, standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down in the boat and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, don't you think that Simon knew how to fish? Jesus knew how to make tables, he knew how to sand chairs. But Peter knew how to fish. And so for, now Jesus was a master. He was a rabbi. He knew the law. Come on. He knew these things. He had healed some people. But we're talking about fishing now. And Peter said, I know how to fish. You asking me to do something, I already know how to do it. Now imagine this. Imagine the the boats there, two boats, two boats. Jesus needs to teach the people, first of all, because he loves the multitude. And he loves to teach. It was part of his mission. And so he looked and saw two boats. He got into one of the boats. Now, what you have to understand about Jesus is that everything that he did and everything that he does is on purpose. How many of us can say that? I sure can. I want to get there. I want to get there. But everything he does is on purpose. There's a purpose behind it. He doesn't just choose this or that by happenstance. And so he chose one of the boats to get into, and that boat happened to be Simon's boat, who would later be called Peter, or the Rock, or maybe Rocky. And so he chose to get into his boat to teach the multitudes. And if you read and you really study this passage of Scripture in the different Gospels, you'll see that Peter was probably continuing to wash his nets as Jesus was speaking we're going to talk about that a little bit because he had work to do. Okay, sure. You can get it to my boat. I know you want to talk to the people. I'm working. Go ahead. You know, you ever been there? Yeah, go ahead. Use that. I got to continue to wash my nets. And that's probably what Peter and the other fishermen were doing. We're going to talk about this. But Jesus told him, listen, after he was done talking to the people, push out a little bit. Again, Jesus does everything for a purpose. And we're going to see what his purpose was in doing that. We're talking this morning about engaging deep devotion. If we're going to engage deep water, we have to understand this. We have to understand this statement. I wrote this down. It says, I will push past my personal hindrances and distractions and wade into the deep waters of God's presence. How? With my praise with my worship, and with an open heart of expectation. Now that you've heard that, you see that, let's say that together. Come on, one, two, three. I will push past my personal hindrances and distractions and wade into the deep waters of God's presence with my praise, worship, and an open heart of expectation. Now, I hope we mean that this morning. Take a good look at that. And mean that in your heart. Push past all my personal hindrances. All those things, all the experiences that I've had that now cloud my mind. My personal hindrances. All of my distractions. All my distractions at work. All of my distractions in my family. How many know family can be a distraction? Come on, somebody. We love them. Come on. We want to see them saved. We want to see them healthy and whole. But sometimes they can be a distraction to us. And wade into the deep waters. Not just get into the water. I don't want to just get into the water. I want to go out into the deep waters. What are the deep waters? Well, here it is. It's God's presence. It is God's presence. I want to tell you this morning that everything boils down to God's presence. I know there are emphasis on prosperity. It's a good thing because God wants you to be prosperous. Of course, how are you going to bless the kingdom? How are you going to bless somebody else if you don't have anything? Of course, God wants you to be blessed and prosperous with money. I believe that. But that can't be the only emphasis. Not That's not the end game. The 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 prodigal son's older brother found that out. Read that story. He found it out. I know there's emphasis on healing, and we must be healed. Listen, the reason we must be healed is because on the cross, the Bible says, and Peter recounted, by his stripes, why would Jesus take all those stripes? He says, by his stripes, we were healed. Healing's already done. And so, yes, he wants us healed. This is part of the kingdom way. The enemy comes against us, all right? And, you know, listen, until you get to that point, you're walking in divine health, what do you say? Pop a couple of Advil and keep on moving, keep on praying. But you need to have faith. and keep. God wants us healed. God wants us delivered. Come on, there's some strongholds. How many got, no, don't raise your hand. That you got some strongholds. But there's some strongholds in our life. Some yokes of bondage. Those things that so easily beset us. Some habits that some of us have. Come on. Come on, some things that so easily beset us. God wants us delivered from these things. So that we'll be free. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, There is liberty, there is freedom. God wants all of those things. But what happens is, when we start focusing on just the healing, and that's all we want, and it consumes all of us, the healing, we're missing so much more. When we're focusing on just the prosperity, the financial prosperity, and that's where we're going, we're trying everything we can just to be financially prosperous, and we're throwing everything into that, we're missing so much more. When we throw everything into just the deliverance of my sin, the deliverance of... Of, you know, the yoke of bondage that the enemy has, and everything is focused on that, we're missing so much more. We need to understand that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. What does that mean? That means in the presence of God is the healing. In the presence of God is the prosperity. In the presence of God is the deliverance. In the presence of God are strong relationships. So we must press into What? His presence. His presence. That's why you'll hear this phrase, we want to be a presence-driven church. Because the presence of God is the kingdom of God. And you see, if you seek first, come on somebody, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what will happen? A few things will be added unto you. Huh? He said all these things will be added unto you. Nothing left out. Come on. He'll show you how to take care of your finances. He'll show you how to be delivered. He'll show you how to be healed. He'll show you all those things, but we must press into what? His presence. And that requires a devotion. We must be devoted. So when we talk about devotion, the first thing I want to share with you is what I'm talking about, okay, when I talk about devotion. Because like faith you know, faith is a word that you say and people can kind of misconstrue that or it depends on what you mean. When you're, You can say faith and you're talking about uh, a certain religion. You know, what faith are you of? Are you of this faith? Or are you of that faith? Well, when I talk about faith in here, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hearing the word of the Lord and doing it. That's faith. Obedience is faith. I'm talking about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we have to know what we're talking about. So when you talk about devotion, I want to talk to you about what devotion is not. First of all, I'm not talking about a religious worship or an observance. I'm not talking about that kind of devotion. I'm not talking about Lent. Okay, don't be offended. But I'm just, you know, some of you believe in that. It's okay. But that's not what I'm talking about when when I'm talking about devotion right now. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some religious or worship uh, observance. I'm not talking about a religious prayer. Devotion, I put on my hat, maybe sackcloth and ashes, whatever it is. I put a cloth over me, and i 'm devoted in prayer i 'm consecrated i 'm not saying God doesn't want you to ever do something like that, of course, if you feel the Lord telling you to fast or pull you aside and you want to call that devotion that 's all right that 's not what i 'm talking about today though. I am not talking about a song service you know growing up in church, you know we used to have devotions. Anybody ever have that I know Dee, Dee did. Brother Carter, we used to have what's called devotions. And that's so, what we do now is we call it praise and worship. When you come in, we have praise and worship. All right? We used to call it devotions. And we would sing songs like Love Lifted Me. Come on. We'd sing these type of songs. And it was called our devotion service. All right? Let's get together now. Let's have devotions. That's what we would do. That is not what I'm talking about this morning when I'm talking about devotion. Here is what I'm talking about when I talk about devotion. First of all, I'm talking about a love. Now, this word also can be a dangerous word. We know this. Because when you say love, what are you talking about? I mean, when I say I love all of you, that's one thing. When I say I love my job, that's another thing, all right? When I say I love sweet potato pie, well, that's another thing, all right? When I say I love my wife, that's yet another thing. And so what are you talking about when you're talking about love? What level of love? How do you mean that when you say love? And how does love relate to devotion? Well, here's my definition of love. I've given this to you before, but it is, it, the Lord put this on my heart so strong, and it's just, it may be just for me. You may have a definition that God shared with you, but this brings love alive to me. And this is uh, love is simply this, the giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of another. The giving of oneself at the expense of oneself, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of another. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And when, I, when you look at it in that light, you can begin to see the love that God has for you. Now you begin to see why dying on the cross was so important. Now you begin to see why the creator of the universe, the one who breathed the breath of life into you, the one who created you, put on this nasty flesh, came and submit the creator submitted himself to his own creation that he might win them back. Who does that? I mean, if that's not love, I don't know what love is. And I know it might not get you right now. You, you might not, that might not get down in your spirit right now. But if you sit for a minute and think about that, the creator of the universe submitted himself to his own creation that he might save them and buy them back from the enemy. Come on. Now, that's not love. I don't know what love is. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. That's love. Now, see, so you see now when we talk about devotion, we're not just talking about singing some songs now. All right, now you can see what we're talking about when we're talking about devotion. Second thing is loyalty. Loyalty. Now, we, this is another one of those words that we use. But we use it frivolously sometimes. I mean, if you've ever had a loyal friend, that friend has been with you. That friend has been by your side in good times and bad. But now listen to this. That friend has been there when you've been successful, when you've done the right thing. That friend was there when you messed up. I'm talking about when you sinned. When you did the wrong, when you you did something you know you shouldn't have done. Your friend was still now they didn't might not have condoned what you did, but they were there for you. They were there for you correcting you, but they were also there lifting you back up, telling you it's gonna be all right. That's loyalty. See, a friend doesn't leave when times get rough. Here's a friend. A friend is one that when somebody comes to you, say, you know, Brother Keith is my friend. And somebody came to me and said, well, you know, uh, I saw Keith, you know, at the store. And, uh, you know, he was smoking and he was doing some other things that wasn't right. Now, if I'm a friend, if I'm not a friend who's loyal, what I'm going to do is say, oh, really? Really? i didn't even know that about keith i thought he was different i just thought he was a different person but now i realize how he really is it's not a friend it's not loyal see a loyal friend would say okay I, that's okay thank you for telling me all that but i if i have an issue with it i'll take it up with keith i'll go ask him and then he can tell me himself what's going on but i'm not just going to believe you just because you're talking about my friend Not that I'm going to discount it. I may go ask Keith the question. But listen, I'm not just going to take what you say and run with it because he's my friend. And even if he was doing it, he's still my friend. I'm not going to talk about him behind his back. That's loyalty. That's loyalty. Here's what devotion is. It is enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. I'm talking about enthusiasm. It isn't sort of apathy. That's my friend. I don't care if he calls or not. It doesn't really matter. He can call me. He doesn't have to call me. Whatever. That's not a friend. That's an acquaintance. That's not a relationship. That's just somebody. Come on. Just somebody. But when you have an enthusiasm for a person, an activity, or a cause, you throw yourself into that thing. When you have an enthusiasm for it, you engage deep water. You run and you jump all the way in when you have an enthusiasm. See, you might think you have an enthusiasm and you run up to the edge and then don't jump in. You really didn't have an enthusiasm. You just had what you thought was an enthusiasm, right? You just had, uh, you know, you, you just had a feeling that you might want to do that. But if you really have an enthusiasm, you'll run all the way and not think any more about it. Just jump right on in. You ever seen kids at the pool, first day the pool was open, especially after the winter we had, and it might not even be real hot, just 80 degrees, you know, maybe the sun is out. Man, as soon as they take the chains off, kids run in, they don't even care. They just jump right in the water. I'm thinking, man, that water's probably cold. After the wintertime, outside, I got to stick my toe in there and see what's going on. They just run and jump like they crazy. That's enthusiasm. And that's what God wants us to do for his presence. He wants us to run and jump in. You see, devotion is a profound dedication. Here's what profound means. Profound is something that you can't explain. I don't even understand this thing. That's what profound means. It's It's not just dedication. I'm not just dedicated to you. But it is a profound dedication. It is an unprecedented dedication. It is something where the glue is so tight that it ain't coming apart. It's not coming apart. I don't care what you try. You can heat it up. You can bring some cold water to it. You know, you can use the crowbar. You can do all kind of things that you want to do. Guess what? This thing is not coming apart. This is the way the Lord wants our relationship with him. It ain't coming apart. And it has nothing to do with how he treats us or how we treat him. It has nothing to do with did he bless us yesterday the way we wanted to be blessed or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about because of who he is and his presence. It's a profound dedication. We stuck together. It's not coming off. It's not coming apart. It's like trying to wipe the color off your skin. It ain't going to happen. I mean, you can wipe your skin away, get down to the white meat. (laughs) That's right, Brother Jay. You can get all the way down there. But you're stuck with your skin. That's who you are. God made you. You should be proud to be who you are. However God made you, that's who you should be. Don't try to be somebody else. Profound dedication. That's what God wants us to be devoted to and the way he wants us to be devoted. Now, who is our devotion toward? That's right. Our devotion is number one toward the Lord above everything else. Above your spouse, above your money, above your job, above your kids. Come on. You are devoted to the Lord. I've seen people get married And all of a sudden, the kids become more important than their spouse. Now, I know there's some youth in here today, but I want to tell you that is absolutely and 100% not biblical. It just isn't. It doesn't mean you don't love your kids. I love you. Of course you do. But the best way that you can love your children is to have that threefold cord that's not easily broken with your spouse. First things first. Come on. First things first. And so the Lord has to be first above everything. I don't care what it is. God's got to be first. That's who we're devoted to. And guess what? But there's a second thing. Jesus talked about it. We're going to see it here in a moment. We are to be devoted to each other. Now, see, we got the first thing. Some of us have the first thing down, Sister Jody. You know, we got, oh, I know the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus on the main line. I tell him what I want. Oh, I was sinking deep in sin, but Jesus saved me. It's just Jesus. See, some of us got that down. Oh, but when it comes to each other, now I don't know about that. Come on. When it comes to each other, we lack a little bit sometimes. But you're going to see, if, in fact, turn to Mark. Turn your Bibles to the book of Mark. You're going to see the emphasis Jesus puts on both of those. Oh, we lack a little bit when it comes to each other. Come on. Because folk can get on your nerves. Oh, come on now. Come on. But listen, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. That don't mean you don't get on my nerves sometimes. And I know I get on some of y'all's nerves. Come on, my wife said, amen, brother. Amen. (laughs) She said, "Yay, man. (laughs) Come on, we're humans and we do that. But God is saying we need to be devoted one to another. Mark 12, look at 12 verse 30. Jesus said this, and you shall love the Lord your God. Come on with a piece of your heart. All your heart. Now, you know you got soul. So some of that soul you're going to love the Lord with. He said all your soul, that's your intellect, all your thoughts, all that. Now, you think about the Lord sometimes. Don't think about him all the time, but some of your mind you can give to him. What did he say? All your mind and with all of your strength. And so we must be devoted to the Lord with everything that we are. That means he comes before it all. But an interesting thing Jesus says here, just this next sentence is very interesting. He says that this is the first commandment. It's got to be above everything. Then he says something here. He says, and the second is like it. Do you know what that means? Do you know the heaviness of that statement? That means that the first one is important, and this what I'm about to drop on you is just as important. It's like it. Like means the same. That means the second part of it is just like the first. If you're doing the first and you're not doing the second, then you're not doing it because it's kind of like the fruit of the spirit. You know, people want to say the fruits of the spirit. Like I got loving kindness down. You know, I got faithfulness down. But, you know, this gentleness thing I'm kind of still working on. Well, then you're not quite there with the fruit of the spirit yet because it's all works together. It's one fruit. It's one fruit. And so the same with this. These two commandments work together. He said the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We must be devoted to the Lord and we must be devoted to each other. We must be. Or you're not engaging deep water. If you're not engaging deep devotion, you're not engaging deep water. And you'll 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 tread water right where you are. You'll go up two steps and go back three. You'll move up four steps and go back two. You'll be treading your whole life. And like I said, I don't want to get to the end of my life and find out all I was doing my whole life was treading water. What's the purpose in that? Just take me now, Lord. I want to go through that. You know, people talk about if I, I wish I could be, you know, born again, uh, you know, over in the, in the natural or I wish I could go back to when I was 17, you know, so I could make different decisions and all that. The, the problem with that is if God took you back to 17, he wouldn't give you your memory. You just do all the same things over again. You still got to learn. Listen, because that's the way God is. I'm just saying that because that's the way he is. We learn. We learn through struggle, just like the caterpillar. And the butterfly, we learn through struggle. And so you won't learn that way. And so I don't want to go back, but I do want to get to the end of my life and say I did more than tread water. I made a difference. I lived a full and abundant life to the fullest. I engaged deep water. I wasn't afraid to jump out into the deep to see what God has. If you drowned and you saved, you're going to heaven anyway. But difference does not make. Come on, jump out there right? Paul said, I'm ready to go on, but for your sake, I need to stay. Y'all got on my nerves, but I need to stay. Turn to some scriptures with me. Turn over to Acts chapter two. Look at a couple of what I call devotion scriptures. I don't have these up on the board, so if you have your Bible, turn to it. If you don't, cheat off of somebody else, and if not, just trust that I'm telling you the word of God and check it out later. Maybe you can just jot down the scripture reference, okay? Okay. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 41. Listen, now this is right after, okay, the Holy Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Ghost fell, right? They were in the upper room, and the Holy Ghost fell on them. They started speaking in other tongues. People began to hear them speaking in their own language, thought they were drunk, right? And uh, Peter then came out and preached the first Holy Ghost message, Acts chapter 2. First Holy Ghost message, okay? preached by someone other than jesus he preached this holy ghost message and then listen to the result of it it says then there were those who gladly received his word talking about peter and the word of god and they were baptized and that day about three thousand souls were added to them how'd you like to preach a word and three thousand souls be added to the kingdom you know you're preaching the word of god then come on but he's doing the work 3,000 souls were added. Verse 42 says, Here it is, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Here's the key word to that whole thing they continued steadfastly. It wasn't a one time event. It wasn't they just went to church on Sunday, heard somebody preach, and all of a sudden they were riled up in their emotions, but then they went home, went out to dinner, went out to lunch, whatever, went home, and Monday they, they forgot what the preacher even preached about. What was the sermon about? I don't know. He was saying something about Jesus, but it was good. Yeah, we had good church yesterday. What was it about? Did it change you? I don't know. It was something, you know, we talked about Jesus, something about the here. I don't think it was Peter, something like that, but it was good. One of them apostles. See, this was not an event for them. Peter came out and preached after he was filled with the Spirit. 3,000 people were cut to the heart and gave their life to the Lord, a life to the Lord. They didn't make a one-time decision to buy a timeshare. Okay, this was a continuing thing. And the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine every day. Every day they continued in it. That's devotion. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. You're not too far. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Again, you just might want to jot down this this scripture reference and check it out a little bit later. These are what I call devotion scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter, I mean, yeah, chapter 16 and uh, look at verse 14. It's what Paul is telling the church at Corinth. He says this, he says, let all, this is the word all again. God's big on this word all. Let all that you do be done with love. And then he says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas. That is the first fruit of Acacia. And that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Devoted themselves to that ministry. And look what he says. He says that you also, he's talking to you this morning, submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. He's saying the same way that you see these disciples here, Devoting themselves to the ministry of the saints. See, we got devoting ourselves to the Lord down, some of us. You know, we pray. We use real big words when we pray. We memorize some scriptures. Some of us speak in tongues, right? We know all these things. We devoted ourselves to the Lord. But when it comes to devoting ourselves to each other, elder, when it comes to loving your neighbor as yourself, sometimes we fall a little short. But Paul is urging us, the same way you see these disciples devoting themselves to the ministry of the saints, you submit to that same thing. You do the same thing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Just turn back a couple pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, one verse. Look at verse 35 with me. He said this. He says, and this I say for your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. This is the reason why he's telling us to be devoted, that you might serve the Lord without distraction. Interesting choice of words that Paul uses here. He says, I'd say this for your own profit. Now, some versions of the scripture use the word, I say this for your own good. But it's interesting to me, I believe that that the Greek word there is translated closer to profit than it is for your own good. And you say, well, okay, brother, why is that so significant? Whatever, for your own profit, for your own good. What difference does it make? Well, here's what it means to me. is When, I, when you tell somebody something for their own good, that means they're trying to avoid getting in trouble. I'm telling you this for your own good, right? You know how we tell our kids, Clarissa. I'm telling you this for your own good. You don't want to go out there get in trouble. I'm telling you, know where your brake is when you drive your car, all right? know where your brake is. I'm telling you this for your own good so you don't crash into another car. For your own good so you can avoid trouble. But Paul doesn't use that word. He says, I'm telling you this for your own profit. In other words, for your own gain. I'm not telling you just this just so that you'll stay out of trouble. I'm telling you this so that you can excel in the word of God. I'm telling you this so that your life will not be treading water. I'm telling you this so that you'll, you'll live the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. That's why he's telling it to us. I'm telling you this for your own profit. Do you see that? I'm telling you this so you can go from glory to glory to glory, on, on, to full stature. I'm telling you this for your profit, not just so that you'll stay out of trouble. This is why he tells us we must be devoted. We must submit ourselves not only to God but also to each other let's look at some people who were devoted listen you could look and there's there's tons of people in the bible that you could use that were a devoted people but i just wrote down a couple of them here first one is job if you look at Job chapter 27, you don't have to turn there. I know I'm using a, a few scriptures here, but uh, you might write down the scripture reference: Job chapter 27, looking at verse three. Look at what jo- Now, here's what Job has gone through. You, most of you have read it, or you've heard it preached, or you you are familiar somewhat with Job. All right, he went through some things. He lost his family, uh, he lost his kids, had just had his wife left, and then she was talking crazy to him. And then, after all that, he was stricken with uh, sickness boils and all that all over his body. Come on, this, is a, this was a man of means. Some say he was the richest man in the world at that time. This was a man of means, and he lost it all. To, to, on top of that, three of his best friends came and started dogging him out. Saying, well, you must have did something wrong, bro. You must have did, because this just don't happen. A person who loves the Lord, this just doesn't happen to So there's something wrong. You need to go get it right. You need to sacrifice or do something. They were talking about him, and he's trying to explain, I don't know what I did. I don't know. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I have devoted myself to the Lord. I sacrificed every day. In fact, I sacrificed for my kids just in case they did something wrong. They hadn't even done anything wrong, but I was sacrificing just in case they did something wrong. They would be covered. See, I thought I was doing right, so I don't understand why all this is happening to me. How many know that Job could have had an argument to come to the Lord and say, come on, Lord, what's going on here? He could have talked about him and said, no, you're not living up to what you said you would live up to. Job could have said that, but listen to what he says in chapter 27, verse 3. He says, as long as breath is in me, and the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Oh, that's easy to say when things are going good. But when you got boils all over your body, when your kid's been killed by an unexpected fire, and, you know, somebody came and, and the, you know, the enemy came and killed your children and all this kind of stuff, and your friends talking about you, it's a little more difficult to say that my lips will not utter any deceit against the Lord. Yet Job says it after all of that. As long as breath is in my body, I don't care what, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. My tongue will not speak against the Lord. This is devotion, folks. We're talking about deep devotion. What about Jacob? Turn over to Genesis 29. Jacob is another one that was devoted. This one really blew my mind. I mean, I could not believe, and I'm reading about Jacob, what he, how, he, how his devotion was. The first one, Job, we're talking about being devoted to the Lord. Look how Jacob was devoted. Chapter 29, first look at verse 20 in, in chapter 29, just that verse. He, now, you know Jacob, right? He left his home. He went out, uh, was out by a well, saw Rachel. She was looking good. She was looking rather beautiful. And I uh, said, hmm. And uh, so she looked at him, kind of liked him too, went back, all right, and his father said, all right, tell you what, you work for me, and then I will give you the hand of my daughter, Rachel. So look here at verse 20. It says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Skip down to, 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 to verse 30 says then Jacob also went to Rachel and he also loved Rachel more than Leah and he served with Laban still another 7 years. Now, husbands, which one of y'all served 7 years before you could even touch your wife? Don't raise your hand. Come on now. I mean, that's some devotion, folks. Listen. Rachel, now Rachel was fine. Come on, brother Vincent, she was fine now. But 7 years? I mean, come on. I mean, you're beautiful. you stepping, girl. I like the way you look. You're a beautiful girl. But seven years. And then what happened was his, his father-in-law tricked him and sent in the ugly sister. I mean, the other sister to him. Well, listen. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. She, she may not have been ugly, but she was just not the one he wanted. Come on. Right? You know, when your heart's on someone, someone else could come, but it's just not the one you, you know, it's not the one that's for you. That's why I'm cleaning up, Sister Clarissa. Clean it up. Right? Clean it up. She was not the one for him. So then he said, hey, wait a minute. This is not the one. And he said, tell you what? You serve another seven. Years. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this girl, I don't know. She must have been something. But I tell you what, that, my friends, is some deep devotion. Is it not? How many can say that's some devotion to serve seven years? We're talking about some devoted people. Turn over to one more scripture, First Samuel uh, chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. This lady was devoted. Unbelievable how devoted she was. We're talking about Hannah. Look at chapter 1 and look down around about verse uh, 27. Right at the end of the chapter. First Samuel chapter 1. Verse 27 says, For this child I prayed. Hannah's talking about Samuel. Because she was barren, remember? And she was barren and the Lord said, I will give you a son. And, and she said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore... I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives he shall be lent to the Lord and they worship the Lord there. This woman was barren, had no children. And you have to understand the culture. Back in those days... Women really didn't truly feel like a true woman unless they were able to have children. That's just a different culture. I know some of us can't understand that. That's okay. It's just a different culture. You have to understand the mindset at that time, okay? And so unless they could have children, uh, you know, they just didn't feel whole. And so she she was barren, and she was sad. And she asked the Lord and asked the Lord, and finally God said, Yes, I will open the womb, and you will have children. So she had her firstborn son. And you know, the first thing she did was she gave him back to the Lord. That is devotion to the Lord to give her only begotten son, come on, back to the Lord. And so how then do we become devoted? How do we become devoted? Well, I believe there's two things. We're going back to Luke now. I believe there's two things. First of all, separation. God sometimes has to separate us. He needs to separate us from the noise. He needs to separate us from the distractions. And then the second one is focus. That's what we need to do. Once God separates us and brings us to the side, now we need to focus in. That's what we need to do. If you look back at Luke chapter 5, you'll notice that In verse 3, he said, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. You have to understand, Jesus does everything on purpose. Why did he choose Simon's boat? You you might say, well, it was just a 50-50 chance. There was two boats there. He had to get in one, so it was either one or the other. But I believe he got in Simon's vote for a specific purpose. He was teaching the people. He was talking to the multitude. But at the same time, Jesus knew what he wanted to do with Simon Peter. He knew that he wanted Peter to be one of the greatest apostles that would ever live and that would preach the gospel and that would change the world. It would turn it upside down. And here he is messing with some nets. Here's a guy who's over here fumbling around with nets. And Jesus sees that and says, this is going to be one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. So he had to separate a little bit. He got into his boat and separated a little bit. Peter would preach the gospel and it would turn the world upside down. Peter was a world changer, and Jesus saw it early on. But here's what I want to tell you, and take this to heart. Before Peter could be the great apostle, he had to be the great disciple. Some of us want to go to the apostle, but we don't want to go through the disciple. And some of you say, well, what does that, what's the difference? What's that mean? Apostles, disciples, it's all the same thing. No. So you must understand when you're a disciple, that me- literally means disciplined one. That means that you follow. Jesus said, if you are going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, because you've got to kill some things along the way. You might say, why do he say pick up your cross? Because some things are going to need to die as we walk. And follow me. That's a disciple. A disciple is not one that goes around laying hands on people, talking to thousands and people giving you accolades. No, a disciple is one that follows. A disciple was Joshua. Some people didn't even know Joshua was there when Moses went up to the mountain and was talking to the Lord. People don't even know Joshua was there. He got no accolades, nothing to say, oh, Joshua was there too. No, it's barely mentioned in the Bible. Moses was doing it, speaking to the Lord. His face shone. He had to put a cover over his face. The Lord said, listen, I'll go by and I'll push you into the back of the mountain and you'll see my backside. He was talking to the Lord as a friend. God began to write with his finger on tablets. Can you imagine all this? Guess what? Joshua was right there. Didn't say a word. Barely not say a word. That's a disciple. And that's what some of us need to be, our disciples first. And then we'll go on under full stature where God wants us. See, you can't get to second grade. Well, some of us have, you know, because they just pass us along. But you're not supposed to get to second grade until you pass first grade. Because there's some things in second grade that you will not understand unless you got it down from first grade. And so before Peter was the great apostle, he was the great disciple. And so God had to, Jesus had to separate himself just so he could be with Peter. Now, he, he, he wanted Peter to be right by his side while he's ministering and talking to people, giving out, you know, the Beatitudes and talking to the people and teaching them and doing all that. Peter's right here. Jesus is saying, you know, I got him by my side. But I believe Peter probably still washing his nets, kind of half listening, you know, doing his thing. So listen, Jesus got done talking to all the people. And he said, guess what? Launch out into the deep. Let's get out a little bit further. Now, most of us think this was just about catching fish. But Jesus had him launch. Why do you think he had him launch out? I believe he went out into the deep, so now I can get you to myself. I can separate you. Now I can begin to talk to you. There are no distractions. Jesus loves the multitude, but he also loves you as an individual. And I don't mean you. I mean you specifically. I mean, he loves you as an individual, and there are times when he will separate you. He'll call you to a fast. You know, he'll do some things, and he'll separate you so he can begin to pour into you, so you can be devoted. And then our side of that is we need to now focus. We need to now allow the Lord to pour into us without distractions. You ever been praying And all of a sudden, you say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to really do this thing. I I need to talk to the Lord, so I'm going to get into my prayer closet. I'm going to get on my knees, whatever it is, and pray. And nobody called you all day. Nobody messed with you. Nobody came to the door. As soon as you start praying, Sister Sharon, phones start ringing. Come on, Eldon. People knocking at the door want to sell Girl Scout cookies. And you've been waiting on Girl Scout cookies. Friends come over, bringing over a dish that you love. All kind of things happen. But what God wants us to do is find a way to focus. And the only way we can do that, folks, is he has to be above all. The scripture that we just read where it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Guess what? He meant all. In case you didn't get it from the scripture, he meant all of it. And that's our part to focus. We must focus. There are many things that distract us. There may be some here today that have some distractions in their life.